Regeline Sabah, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Derek Pearson, also known as DP. Derek Pearson is a best-selling author of the book, The Impact of Influence, and he has spent stops during his career as a sportscaster, radio, and television host, writer, manager, and high school coach. Welcome to the show, Derek. Gigi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. I should say welcome back to the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, let's do it. I love it. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you are from? I am a, I am a D.C. child. I am from the DMV, uh, Northern Virginia, Arlington, just outside of D.C., uh, which meant I got all the cool and half the flavor. That's <laughs> I didn't I didn't get all I didn't get all of D.C., but I got enough. So that's where I'm from. I'm from a family of uh, what I thought was eight kids. Uh, and then I found out uh, later in like three years ago, I found out that, well, there's another part of the story that I actually have four more brothers and three more sisters. <laughs> so <laughs> life is always interesting when, 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 when it's DP. That is incredible. Now, tell us more about what inspired you to become a TV, television host. Television host was um, in a previous. So I was, I, was, I was an athlete, student athlete in college, I played baseball. Um, but I was a three-sport athlete in high school. Um, I learned early that I wanted to give to people what I didn't get. Um, I wanted to be—I wanted to coach kids the way I wish I had been coached, um, and that was important to me. Um, I did that. Got out of college, started working for Howard University Hospital, uh, et cetera, and then got into sports bars and restaurants. Athletes would come in every day and we would talk and hang out. And they said, you know what? You really should be in this television thing. You really should be in the sports game. Um, you should probably make a life change. I love it. Now tell us more about your best-selling book, The Impact of Influence. I get, Gigi, I get excited about this. And you'll notice that my smile just kind of blossoms because um, anytime you, you, you enhance your family and your brotherhood, um, you grow. Um, you have to grow. Chip Baker, who 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 the 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 brain behind this has put together uh, seventeen amazing authors, great storytellers, people who have had friction in their life and figured out how to advance past the friction. Um, and I often tell my players that friction is required for growth. So anytime friction becomes available, pay attention. It's teaching you something. Well, in this group and the course of promoting it and getting to know the other authors, you find out that there are some just amazing stories of victory, guys who could have given up, guys who could have been distracted, detoured, or otherwise. And it's such a cool reminder that we all have impact and influence, that we we have we affect people we don't even know. And we all had coaches, teachers, mentors. Uh, aunties across the street who watched you when nobody was, was supposed to be watching, uh, uh, the uncles around the corner who knew to keep you out of trouble. Um, we all have those people that have impacted and influenced us. And we all found 17 positive stories to share in one place. And that's the, the impact of influence. And it's an amazing read. And uh, I, I get emotional just thinking about it. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, Stacy Padula, thank you for listening in. She says, awesome. Thank you, Stacy. It really, I to tell you that 
like we all go through our, our go through. We all go through our grinds. Um, we grind until we learn how to crush. And it just means learning how to advance past the friction. Um, there's always somebody in your life who gave you the positive push in the back or kind of redirected you. Sometimes it's them telling you, no, you don't deserve, you don't need that. You need something else. And even if that's not what we want to hear, it's important to have those people, whether it's a teacher who tells you you can do better or a coach who tells you he demands better. It could be a best friend who aspires greater than you, or it could be your best friend who is probably that bad news cat that you need to get away from. And they will tell you, hey, you're bigger than, than this that we're doing. You need to advance forward and go do something better. We all have those people. And then often we forget that we are those people. We're those people for, for folks, the people that call you and text you. They're like, Gigi, I need you. That's what the text is. That's what that's about. So when people text you, they're looking for your influence. And nobody texts you for hate or fear. They text you for love. They always do. So you have impact whether you're paying attention or not. We wanted to use this book just to remind folks to remember uh, to use your influence for, for, for positive impact. I love it. Now tell us more about your show, The DP and Stefan Show. It, it, we're here in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. I've uh, been here a year, got here just maybe a month or two before the pandemic, which is an interesting time to change your life, right? You just <laughs> move from, uh, from Houston to, uh, uh, to, to Lincoln, Nebraska, and the, it, there's a bit of a culture shock, yes. Um, but it's here covering mainly collegiate sports, the University of Nebraska and the Cornhuskers that everybody knows. Um, we're on uh, – my co-host Tom Stevens is just uh, – he's Nebraska through and through. Um, we're kind of the odd couple, frick and frack. He's, he's a white dude from Nebraska, and I'm a black dude from D.C., and we managed to find common ground – and we find curiosity in our differences. And that's an important thing is embracing the difference, be curious about it. Um, but as Maya Angelou says all the time, we are more alike than we're unalike, my friends. And so we work every day from the things that we share and then curiosity for the things that we don't. Amen, diversity is beautiful. Now, Derek, can you tell us more about the major challenge that you had to overcome in your life? Who myself, <laughs> myself. Um, I had to learn who I was. Um, and often when you have this an empty hole that, that exists and you, you don't know who you are. Well, I, did, I, didn't, re I didn't really know my father. Um, the man that, that, that gave me a last name, um, I didn't really know. Um, there was, uh, you're kind of searching. Everybody else has things that you don't have. We didn't have a lot of money, so you learn those things. But then there's the curiosity over the feeling that you you are better than where you've put yourself. And my biggest friction is myself in that having to get over the hump and going, you know what, go out and go out and try. Um, I wasn't always this version of, of, of DP. I wasn't always a good human. I wasn't always a good man. I wasn't always a good father. I wasn't always a good partner. So I had to learn, one, to show people the worst in me. So they knew what they were getting and then they could help me get away from that. Like most people, what you do is you find your flaw and you hide it. But I had to learn to trust the people that I cared about the most. So they knew who I was and could help me. And the moment I said, here's, here's everything. 
it is the most empowering thing you can ever do in your life is to tell the people that matter the most the thing that you're most afraid of and allow them to love you for it or allow them to dismount for it. Because if they're dismounting, they're not, that's not who you're supposed to be with anyway. But I developed this thing over the years. And it's a question that I ask people on my show. It's a question I ask people in my life. Do I have your permission to tell you the truth? Because that allows us to set a GPS going forward. And whether it's dating, business, personal, whatever, that if we agree that here's the truth and I will always work from the truth with you, then the moment it starts to sway, well, just like a GPS, it'll tell you, this does not appear to be truth. This does not appear to be love. This does not appear to be what we said we were doing. And then it empowers me to be able to say to the other person, hey, look, you're not, I don't feel like truth lives here right now. So we need to redirect. Um, for me, the truth, myself and my truth, um, were, were the biggest roadblocks for me. Um, I'm a bit fearless. <laughs> um, I've lived in seven different cities and I have no problem with picking up and, and moving. But in that, um, th that curiosity that's required, it's helpful. I, I, I highly recommend anybody get to your truth. Whatever that is, get to your truth and you will be amazed at how much nonsense it moves out of the way for you to be successful. Because all the good stuff happens once I start telling the truth. Very uplifting. Get to your truth. Very powerful. Now, can you tell us more about Fat Guy Charities? Fat Guy Charities was when um, when I there's a phase I was doing a TV show in Charlotte, North Carolina. We were covering uh, the Carolina Panthers when they first got a team. Uh, back in the day. And it was myself, Matt Elliott, who played at University of Michigan, uh, was Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL. I met him when I was in Washington. He went to Carolina. He said, hey, there's a show idea. Do you mind coming down? Came down, put it together. And within that, um, we worked with the Panthers in the NFL and creating a charity that, quite frankly, did the, some of the stuff that we did when we were in Carolina, uh, children in need. And whether that ranged from clothes to schooling to mentors to, uh, to, to, in some cases, a family that need help with medical bills and a family that um, had had problems with, uh, with a fire where they lost quite a bit and have NFL players rally to, to help support those families in need. And often kids didn't, kids don't, don't have a chance a lot of times. Um, we also created scholarships for people who academically qualify to go to college. They just didn't have the money or they didn't have the resources, or they didn't know how to apply for grants, or they didn't know um, how to get student loans. And we put, there was a collection of student athletes, uh, student athletes, students in uh, Charlotte, Raleigh, Durham, uh, in, in, in Chapel Hill uh, that we put through college for four years um, through major universities, simply by raising funny funds. Uh, we went through uh, Carolina Gas, uh, Duke Gas, um, several different sponsors. So Fat Guy Charities was, uh, it was the NFL's Charity of the Year uh, in 97 for, for Charlotte, which was a big deal. And it just, it reminded me constantly of how much impact we can have by doing little things for, for the little people. Amazing. Now tell us more about Love Prince. Love Prince was, was one of those, some of the great ideas happened middle of the night out of nowhere. And one night, um, 
you know, I'm creative, so I'm just sitting and writing while I was in a conversation and they were talking about the carbon footprint. Everybody's carbon footprint on this planet. And I said, I, I don't know that carbon footprint resonates with me. It's not personal enough. It's not human enough. And I said, well, in truth, if we did this right, if we did this living, this humanity thing right, we could all be measured by our love print. That's the way to measure your life is that trail, your, your impact on this planet should be based on how much love you left behind, how much love you received, how much love you gave. And I wrote this manifesto at like three o'clock in the morning that I was going to, it was several things. One, I was going to love out loud that the greatest regret that we all have is that there was somebody in our lives that we loved absolutely and did not tell them. We thought they knew, we hoped that they knew, but they, they may or may not have known. And if we had simply loved out loud, they would have known this. There'd be no regrets, there'd be, there'd be none of that. And in order to get to, 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 to the best place where every time I engage somebody, I leave you more loved than how I found you. If I see something good about you, I must say something good. If there's something necessary to be done for you that I can do, I should do those things. So we figured this out, that leaving a love print requires, one, love, two, action. Love is the heart. Action is the hand. The logo is the hand and the heart. Love without action is good, but it doesn't accomplish anything. Action without love is busy, but often troublesome. It's together that love and action can accomplish anything. And people like to use, well, I love you, or I love this thing. But do you love it enough to act on it? Or do you love it enough to put in the work required? Can't tell me you love a person, but you don't know how to act like you love this person. You can't tell me you love a game, a sport, and not treat that game like you love it. Love requires action, action requires love, and together, together, they can accomplish anything. So Love Prince was, um, as a coach, I was using it with my players that, you know, listen, um, every player comes to a coach for love. They don't come for anything else. That's pretty simple. So I wanted to coach from love. I didn't want to be one of those barkers. I didn't want to be one of those yellers. Listen, I can high five you. I can still give you the look that says, we need to get right. But you also know that it's love-based and that the ultimate mission, the ultimate GPS is at the end of this thing, love exists. <laughs> That's what you're going to get when we're done. Like, we're going to start here in this conversation. I say, Gigi, I love what you're doing. <laughs> I love how you do it. I appreciate how, how you do it. That's our starting point. And then as we go along, if I ever get out of the love lane, you can say to me, hey, DP, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. The GPS says we're not, we're not loving currently, so we need to get back on it. And then at the end of it, love has to be the mission, the end game for everything that we do and the reason why we do it. It's where we start, it's where we end, and it's how we get there. And it has to be consistent. So love prints for me was just, it changed my heart. It changed my spirit, my soul, because I have a reminder constantly that when I say, Gigi, you looking wonderful today. <laughs> God bless you. Love what you do. It's authentic 
<laughs> it might be the most important thing I say today to you. It might be the most important thing you get that you hear today. And then you will take the love that I give you and you will share it with your people and they will share it with their people. And before you know it, we have created this vacuum of love. And when love exists, the other cannot. Nothing else can stick when love, if somebody's covered in love. That's the real. That is beautiful and very true. Love conquers all. Now, Derek, can you tell us more about a time in your life journey where you experienced an aha moment? <laughs> There's several of those. Um, my brother, my brother's a minister, and he likes to say that 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 your intelligence is measured by the number of ahas, right? Like, like if you've only had one or two in your life, you've lived a pretty, pretty, pretty basic life. I uh, I have a library full of ahas. <laughs> I have a whole lot of moments. Uh, one in, one in particular. Uh, actually, there's two. If you don't mind, if you don't mind, I'll give you both of them. One was. Uh, Three years ago, I had spinal fusion, uh, 30 years of coaching three sports. And finally, the doctor said, listen, you've worn out your spine. Now we got to fix it. They go in to fix it. They do spinal fusion and they botch the surgery. And when I woke up, not only was I, you know, with, with pins and screws in my, in my spine, but I was in a full body brace and they told me, okay, this is going to be different. Um, they sent me home a couple of days later, and I, they said, well, you have to get up every day several times just to keep moving and circulate. First time I did it, the day I got home, the first time I did it, I said, something's wrong. Called 911. Uh, <laughs> imagine they're six minutes away. Um, takes us uh, five minutes to get there. Five minutes for the doctor to evaluate me, 16 minutes. And the doctor says, wow, you didn't have much time, brother. <laughs> you did not have much time. Uh, they scanned me. I had 27 blood clots. 27. Now, when you hear somebody passed away peacefully in their sleep post-surgery, it's probably a blood clot. That's probably what did it. I had 27. I had three in my heart, four in my lungs. And then on top of that, they brought what we call a bully. It's a widow maker. And it draped itself. Imagine a saddle draping itself around your bronchial stem to choke you out with the 27 blood clots inside, actually doing extra damage. Uh, pastor sitting on my chaplain, sitting on my bed, four days in ICU, several conversations. And even before that, I would say, I've lived a great life. I've lived a hundred lives. If God take me to today, you know, I've lived a hundred lives. Except on that day, <laughs> the aha moment was, Listen, I know what I said. <laughs> I know what I've been saying, but, and I, you probably hear me, but what I'd like for it to be clear now is I'd like one more day. I know I said if you took me a day, I'd be okay. But if you don't mind, I'd like one more day. And every day that I was given one more day, I got up first thing in the morning and said, thank you. At the end of that day, I said, thank you. Remember first, last, in between? And all day long, I gotta say thank you for one more day. And I'm still here three years later and I'm talking to you and I'm talking to your people and I'm loving them and they're gonna love you and you're gonna love me. And that's an aha moment when you find out how small you are and how humble you need to be 
in that 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 whole ego thing that hey, I've lived a life, yeah, but I wasn't done. I wasn't done. So one more day has been the call. On top of that, uh, after that, and the recovery was brutal. I had to learn to walk again. I had to learn to to do everything, all every function there was. At that point, um, I did not know who my biological father was. No idea. Um, my mother passed away, so I didn't know, didn't have information. And at that point, um, we brought in the folks from Ancestry to find out who my father was. And you do all the testing, and right, and you find out, and then they find out, well, here's every, here are all your relatives who have taken the test. Here's everybody who's ever taken the test that you share DNA with. I found out who my father was. And it turns out it was somebody I knew. And it turns out that my best friend who I played ball with in Little League and through high school, and when we graduated from college, we became roommates. When he got married, I was his best man. He was mine. When he needed a place to live and I was in Charlotte doing a TV show, he came down and joined Fat Guy Charities. I find out at age 56 that he's my first cousin. <laughs> that I've been in this universe with my first cousin for all of this time, never knowing, never knowing that that was my family. And then to find out later that his mom may have known that I was his his first cousin, that that family, and it was a connection of all these people that I grew up with in this little neighborhood, who turns out, yeah, they, that was my family. The people I thought were my family because of the way we engaged was actually my family. And then to go aha again, imagine this, Gigi, we had the investigators check, go back in American history. Go back in American history. To find out that I share DNA with 17 US presidents, 17. That I am six cousins with both Barack Obama and Donald Trump. How about having the top of your head pulled up? <laughs> that, <laughs> oh my goodness, my people are responsible for everything, the good and the bad. So it makes it impossible for me to place blame on anybody for anything when it's all of us. I did, I got, I got blessed with the TED talk and I said, what I wanted to do was deliver a message. And the end game message was, if I asked you to define, to describe an American face, you would not have thought of your face, but your face is the real American history, the good and the bad, the high and the low, the, the, the alpha and the omega is, that's Gigi's face. That's her people telling the story. And all of that time in history class, when you're sitting in history class and you thought they were talking about them, they were talking about you. These are your stories, Gigi. The American story is Gigi. And I had, I went, wow. What if we had known, imagine going back and relearning history and they're talking about your people. Imagine you having ownership of this thing called America, because it is yours. We just don't tell the story enough. We don't look enough. 
it's been that that was a true aha moment for me was wow we really are more alike than we are unalike <laughs> <laughs> that is very uplifting and it sounds like you had quite the journey so you are truly a conqueror now, Derek, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Hmm, truth. Truth. It is the most uncomfortable thing and the most empowering. It 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 is just your ability to be free to grow, the free to not know, free to being concerned, freedom to care and to be able to say it. And to be able to show it, like the power and freedom of being able to be brilliant. Like you have people in your life that the moment you tell them, hey, I got my own podcast. And you know what their reaction was? Oh, I see you got your little podcast. Like we, <laughs> we, have those people, right? like the, we know those people who respond to that. And you get to say, yes, it's my little podcast. Like I did that. I, it's okay for me to want to be the best me. It's okay for me to say that I love I love me some me. Like, it's okay, Gigi, look, love yourself, girl, it's worth it. The freedom of not having to hide the best part of you or the worst part of you. Because the real deep loving people are gonna love Gigi anyway. Like, girl, come here. Come, come on. <laughs> like, bring, bring the bad luggage. Come on. Come on. Come on. Bring the bad luggage. We, we cool. I'm here for it. I got you. I got you. That's the empowering. I, I hid flaws and doubts. And it was fear. Like, fear of being great is the thing that holds us all back. Like, what nerve do you have to have a book or a TED Talk or a podcast or a radio? Who are you? You know where you're from? Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. I know where I'm from. And I'm here to show you and to tell you, go be great. Go, go be great. And the truth is required. The truth is always required. Yes, it's scary. But as I said earlier, growth requires friction and you can't every great thing we know that animals can't grow without friction. they need to outgrow their skins we know that as a human and in a relationship we have to have friction that allows us to propel ourselves forward like we all need something to bounce off of we need something to all to push off of and nothing moves you quicker than friction or fire <laughs> it's like, oh, that's what it's for. I'm not supposed to be right here right now. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. So the moment you accept your truth that, you know what, Gigi, we'll have this conversation again in two years. And when this is doing a thing that you never dreamed it would do and giving you opportunities that you never dreamed it would give you, and there'll be times when you write a book or you, you do your thing and you'll just go, wow, can you believe that? Yes, you can believe it. That's what truth is. Truth is you trusted the process and to be truthful enough to use your friction and go forward. That's when somebody tells you you can't, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not my truth. You set your truth. 
Whatever Gigi decides her truth is, can nobody mess with her. Nobody can mess. Once you decide, look, I'm a queen. You better come on. They, they, like, they can't mess with you after that. They can't. They just can't. Find your truth. Go with your truth. Find your truth and go with your truth. I love it. Thank you, Derek, for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. Now, where can the audience find you? Everything, all of my social media is at Derek Pearson, just as the name is spelled. Um, the Love Prince uh, site has, it has got the two TED Talks on it. Um, I do a little directive on how how to direct you towards, if that's your mission, is to have a TED Talk. Um, apparently, I broke the matrix. I, I have two. So, hey, so there's that. Uh, the book is available on the first front page of the website. You can just order it there. Um, reach out. I, I, I again... I, I, I'll answer your email by, do I have your permission to tell you the truth? And then I will tell you the truth. And if it helps you, uh, there will be love attached. But if it helps you, I'm here for it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Derek at loveprince.us and all of his social media at Derek Pearson. And Derek, again, thank you for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. You have a great day. Gigi, thanks for having me. You're welcome.